This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. I'm Helen Farmer and this is the Farmer's Kitchen podcast. We are talking everything food on today's episode from growing mushrooms in the desert. How is it done and how do they taste? Meeting the co-founder of Pitfire Pizza, a literally homegrown company. It started in their villa that's gone to win global acclaim. Michelle joining us to talk crazy combinations on the flavours. So how do you take yours? Meeting the chefs, the latest food news. What can we look forward to on the food front in 2023 here in the UAE? And Prime, we have seen people going wild for this drink. It's brought to you by some YouTubers, but should you put it in your basket? A dietitian and a psychologist give us their take. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. So have you heard about Prime Drink? It's classified as a sports drink and it is causing chaos, for want of a better word, in supermarkets in the UK. Give you a bit of a background if you're not familiar with this craze. It's a drink that's been developed by YouTube stars KSI and Logan Paul. It's being... Well, it's retailing for less than £2, but it is going for significantly more in some supermarkets and definitely online. So what do we need to know? It is available here in the UAE, but should you be putting it in your basket? Joining us live in the studio now is registered dietitian Ahat Nani, and talking about the health side of it, really, because it's, it's being billed as this kind of beneficial drink, you know, boost your energy, boost your power. What, what were your first thoughts when you heard about it going crazy? So my first thoughts when I heard about the prime drink itself, I looked at the ingredients like I always do. Um, and I looked at it and I said, I just don't see the hype. Uh, <laughs> why is it so hyped up? There's tons of other health and sports drinks that are healthier on the market that don't contain things that Prime do. Now, when you talk about is it healthier than other traditional sports drinks, Maybe in some ways, in a way where it's possibly just doesn't contain added sugar in the form of sugar. So what are some of their big claims? What are they saying about the benefits of it? So their big claims are it's a hydration drink. Okay, so why it's a hydration drink? Because it contains... It's a liquid. It's a liquid. (laughs) It's a liquid. It contains mostly filtered water. And it contains about 10% of coconut water, which is not a lot. No, coconut water in itself, fantastic for hydration. So we could obviously just drink that and... I mean, the, the complication is it's not coming from YouTubers. So why would we care? <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of, I guess, the ingredients that caught your eye when you looked at that breakdown. So the first one was sucralose. So that's in, it's an artificial sweet, sweetener. And it's about 600 times sweeter than sugar. Not only that, now that we have one sweetener that's 600 times sweeter than sugar, sugar they have another artificial sweetener. Okay. Now, those two in combination, they're both chemical compounds. They're not even derived from the wild, from a natural space mm-hmm. like sugar is. Mm-hmm. And they claim to say that we don't add any sugar, but you're adding tons of artificial sweeteners, which cause havoc in your gut. Now, when you cause havoc in your gut, we're also, you know, we need to think about that a lot of chi- children are drinking this drink. This is, this is where I start to get... Exactly. I say angry but it gets under my skin because it's it's the marketing of it it's, it's the marketing to the children and we've seen the videos out of the UK are unbelievable like grown men snatching drinks out of children's hands and you know nine-year-olds you know posting on social media with their drinks so 
it's the kid factor that I find kind of particularly irritating. It's the kid factor. And I also, you know, we need to point out that they're marketing it as a sports drink, saying that, you know, it's it, it will hydrate you with tons of artificial sweeteners. Then they're also saying it contains BCAAs, which is branch chain amino acids. This is something that athletes need to kind of build muscle mass and help muscles recover. This is not something nine-year-olds <laughs> need. <laughs> so that's another marketing technique kind of gone wrong there, mm-hmm. saying where is your target audience and who really needs to drink this? So we're kind of confused as a consumer point. Um, so it's, it's causing havoc in your gut, the artificial sweeteners. It's causing us to eat more. So now when you're comparing, let's say you're comparing to another drink, Let's not take any names, but you're, you know, comparing to another sports drink that does contain sugar. Um, it, it probably will increase your blood sugar levels in the moment, but later on your body will move on. I'm not saying this is healthy, but that in comparison to something that contains tons of artificial sweeteners, it does mess with your digestive microbiome, causes you to eat more throughout the day and throughout the week and long term causes obesity. We've got Ahad Sajjani with us today, um, talking about it from a dietitian's point of view. But I was curious to get Dr. Thry, a clinical psychologist, take on why we do tend to buy into the hype. Considering the fact that Prime Drink was created by KSI and Logan Paul, and since they're, you know, very famous YouTubers with over 50 million subscribers, basically what's happening with individuals is that, you know, considering the fact that we're social creatures, we're kind of programmed to connect to those that we consider are in our in-group. And with this connectivity comes, like, the expectation to keep up with them, to kind of do what they they ask of us and uh, do what they're doing so that we continue to feel like we are a part of a greater social in-group. And so, and this could also be from a psychological effect of uh, something called the halo effect, which is where influencers that are liked tend to be considered smart and uh, good in all different areas of their life. And so all of these individuals that are actually buying this drink are doing so because it's coming from KSI and Logan Paul, but not really because they've done much of their research on the actual drink itself, its nutritional value, and so on and so forth. So, you know, according to research, when we don't kind of keep up with someone and feel pressure to conform to the social expectations, our brain actually signals that we violated some form of social norm. And that part of the brain is actually associated with punishment. And it shows like heightened activity when that happens, which basically tells us that we're being socially rejected and that we aren't the same as others. So it's understandable that these individuals are doing what they're doing in order to get the prime drink. However, it is important for us to kind of take a step back and recognize what's worthy for ourselves and healthy for ourselves. Clinical psychologist Thryad giving her take there in terms of being a status symbol, a way of being accepted. Um, that's an interesting point from Mark here saying, all I wanted as a kid was the bike spoke reflectors out of a box of Kellogg's cornflakes. I had those and I was so proud, so proud. Isn't it interesting how times have moved on and we saw panic buying during the pandemic and, as I said, absolute scenes out of the UK with adults fighting each other to get their hands on a bottle of Prime. Have you tried it? How are you talking your kids out of it? Or you're not bothered at all. If they want it, what, what's the issue? Let me know on 4001. We're going to be talking next about the energy drink market and also about no dough. What do you need to know? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. 
In the studio, we've got registered dietitian and the owner of the No Dough Bakery, Ahad Sajnani, is with us to tell us a little bit more about going gluten-free, some of the flavour options out there. I've also been talking about Prime. This is the sports drink that is sending crowds wild in the UK. I've seen a little bit of hype here in the UAE because it is available here. This is brought to you by YouTube stars KSI and Logan Paul. So what are your thoughts on this? Let me know on 4001. They're also introducing an energy drink. I don't know if it's going to be coming to Dubai, but I've certainly seen it's going to be going into the UK. Now, there are some restrictions around buying energy drinks, um, certainly in England. And I wondered how you felt about those kind of guidelines being put in place. I think the guidelines are good because when, uh, so I just had a look at their website again, um, and the energy drinks are already sold out. Uh, shocking. <laughs> not probably, shocking. Probably <laughs> being resold for about 10 times the price probably. on eBay. Um, so they contain a lot of caffeine uh, because that's you need to have that for an energy drink. But I like the restrictions being in place because at least it prevents it from going into the wrong hands mm. or children who do not need to consume it. So the restrictions are good. Whether they should be selling it at mass volumes, we don't know yet. Um, a really interesting question here from Dom saying, what should we be drinking for maximum hydration? So you should be getting a high quality electrolyte if you are training, you know, once multiple times a day or feeling dehydrated like we tend to do here. You can choose to drink coconut water, which is 100% coconut water, not, not with nothing not, added. Not your 10% from <laughs> not, not 10%. Prime, <laughs> a little, a little dash there. <laughs> so pure coconut water or simply just water. And if you feel that water simply isn't hydrating you enough, you can add a pinch of salt to it and it tends to hydrate you a little bit more than regular water. There's always so much kind of, not controversy, that's a little strong, but curiosity, I guess, about how much water we should be drinking. And the kind of gold standard for a long time was like, you must be having eight glasses. And I never really understood that. I'm like, well, how big are your glasses, for one thing? Um, how much do you aim for? And do you tend to give guidelines to clients? So, yes, we do uh, We do have guidelines for everybody. Ideally, we want to aim for a minimum of three litres if you're living in a hot, warmer climate. Mm -hmm. uh, a minimum of three litres, depending whether you're male or female. I, I think it's very individualised. But I would always say... See how you feel. And if you feel kind of run down, bloated, tired, chances are you probably are dehydrated and not hungry. Interesting. So have a glass of water before you head to the fridge. Yes. <laughs> okay, there's another 2023 resolution. Um, tell us a little bit then about your work as a dietitian. What, what drew you to this area in particular? So... I actually didn't want to be a dietitian in the beginning and it was just kind of something I did because I studied. I studied in the UK and the US and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. It's about food. Um, obviously, now I love it. Um, I work predominantly with people who tend to have eating disorders or struggle with a relationship with food and kind of want to bring that harmony with them and food because there's a lot of not so great things happening with food and you know people how they perceive food their body image so that's that's something I predominantly like to work with improving gut health and uh, cleaner eating that's really interesting in terms of improving someone's relationship with their self and then to do with food as well because it must be so hard to untangle that a lot of the time especially someone who we were talking about body image on the show yesterday with Natasha D'Souza and she works a lot around emotional eating and we actually had a a listener get in touch saying she'd had an eating disorder for, for 20 years and is now actually very healthy in terms of you know how she's testing but still when she looks in the mirror wishes she could be smaller and I think you know whether you are you know you are have an eating disorder or you've got somewhat disordered eating when I think a lot of people that definitely have emotional issues around food absolutely I very think very hard to flip that switch it's very hard and I think at some point 
a lot of people have been through some sort of disordered eating patterns. Definitely. Um, and that doesn't mean they have an eating disorder. It just means that they struggle with food and their emotions and how they perceive food, mostly because food is kind of our comfort mm-hmm. and we rely on it so much to deal with other aspects of being. Very true. Eat when we're happy, eat when we're sad. Pretty eat, much. Eat when we're <laughs> celebrating. But, but making sure what we're eating is going to be doing us some favours. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Nodo. This is your bakery. It's now just on delivery as of yesterday. Um, it launched a few years ago. What's What's kind of on the menu I guess so everything we have is gluten free it's vegan it's also refined sugar free so we use natural sweeteners but we also use very minimal natural sweeteners there's tons of people making vegan gluten free things but they add a lot of natural sweeteners so we kind of tend to minimize that we have a banana bread which is our uh, most popular product we have some salted caramel tarts Um, everything is made with nuts seeds things that are actually nutrient-dense instead of using refined gluten-free flours either. So we make sure that everything is nutritionally balanced, not too much sugar in terms of natural sugars, Mm -hmm. and uh, we make sure we only use the cleanest of ingredients. I want to ask you about gluten-free because that's become a bit of a buzzword in the last couple of years. A lot of people going, I'm gluten-free, and a lot of people going, well, I'm actually celiac, and this is a very different kind of distinction. Who should go gluten-free and why? So I think when we say gluten-free in the modern day is people think gluten is almost unhealthy. Mm, That's that's not the case. It's just with the modern day processing of gluten, the structure of gluten itself has gotten tougher to digest. So our bodies are not able to digest it as well as in the past. So now if you are choosing gluten sources like sourdough bread or well-sourced wheat flour, chances are you will be fine. Um, it's just that gluten in some form is very inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So staying away from it for the most part is probably something that most people can try and see if they feel a difference. And what kind of difference would you notice? What are some of the signs that you might have, if not full-blown celiac, but you might have an intolerance or be reactive to it? So you may experience some sort of bloating after eating glu- uh, gluten. Uh, you may experience breakouts, not so often, but sometimes. Um, a lot of the times, most people feel very tired. Because gluten is so difficult to digest, your digestive system is having to work double. Mm -hmm. Now, when it's working extra hard to digest it, all of the energy that you do have for other things is going towards that digestion and you sort of feel run down, tired. And that is one of the most common signs and symptoms of possibly a minor intolerance. If you have celiac disease, you should just stay away from gluten altogether. And work with a doctor. Yes, please. Um, I guess my last question to you as a registered dietitian is, as we go into 2023, for everyone listening today, is there anything that you recommend that we do or try or omit or tweak for our gut health in the year ahead? So I would say, first of all, if you want to try something, you need to figure out which foods are working for you and which foods are not working for you. I think that would start with bringing in a little bit of awareness rather than just going through a list and saying, this is what I'm going to cut down. I thought you were going to say, rather than just sitting at your desk and having your lunch. I was like, <laughs> have you got a camera on me? <laughs> but, bit, but maybe a bit of a food diary. <laughs> so bring in some awareness, see how you feel after eating certain foods. And if you don't feel particularly great, I would say minimize those foods or cut them out for a short period of time before adding them back. What you shouldn't be doing is you shouldn't be following a fad diet. You shouldn't be eating anything that contains artificial sweeteners, something that something that ends with the letters A-S-E, ACE, or O-S-E, so sucralase, mm-hmm. A-S-E. That's something you should be completely avoiding. And as always, minimize the sugar, increase the vegetables, and don't do anything that's short-term. 
Thank you so much for coming in. Um, for Nodo, um, you are there on Instagram and great. I mean, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, you can find out more um, there at Nodo Bakery. But for anyone that wants perhaps a bit of dietary advice, um, consultation, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? So you can get in touch with me through Nodo Bakery or you can message me on my personal Instagram, which is Ahat Sajnani. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate Wishing you a very happy and healthy year ahead. Thank and you if so you much. want those details, drop me a message on 4001. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Oh, I know I shouldn't have favourites, but I have to say, the woman in the hot seat right now is not only one of my favourite people in Dubai, but is behind one of my favourite companies in Dubai. Pitfire Pizza are true homegrown heroes. Michelle is in the studio, the co-founder. Happy New Year. Thanks. Same to you. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm amazed you've had time to even come and sit down with us you've just come straight from your JLT branch and you just told me something very casually then because we're talking mushrooms in half an hour very casually yeah um just casually I happened to see the the amount of mushrooms that came in today for today's consumption and it was 26 kilos just for (gasps) cluster j that's so yeah today for for our entire branches all five will probably go through about 125 130 kg of mushrooms oh the operation has grown probably far beyond your wildest dreams for anyone that's not familiar with the background of Pitfire Pizza, where and when did you and your husband Bill kind of get your start? Yeah, well, we got our start in our villa. <laughs> we started uh, built my husband has been um has always wanted, has had a dream, lifelong dream of having a pizza restaurant. We came to it a bit late in life. Um, and when we got to Dubai, we found a very friendly business environment. And so um, he decided he was going to start making pizza. He started making it at home, ordered a professional pizza oven. Uh, and he started fiddling around with it. And Going I was like, a mad scientist. Uh, he is. He actually <laughs> is. And to be honest, I mean, even even now he's continuing to improve the dough. Like it, it just when you taste it today, you'll see it's even better. If you just when you think it can't get better, he makes it better. It is. It's the alchemy. Isn't yeah. It? And it's, it's so much passion. So when we say homegrown, quite literally, I think you were living <laughs> yeah. in the ranches at the time and working with neighbors who had produce. And what was the aim back then? What was the goal? Well, we wanted to have a pizza restaurant. We did. Um, and we just, the thing was, we just, we'd never been, we didn't, we, neither of us come from an F&B background. So we didn't want to start big and we wanted to kind of start small. So it took us a while to find kind of the right location to start. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to open a restaurant. We had, Bill had the whole concept of the brand in his head. Um, we wanted to bring Dubai something different from what it already had. Because it is a crowded marketplace. Yeah. I mean, what we found when we got here was it was either sort of the low end, you know, pizzas. I mean, everybody loves a Domino's every once in a while. But, you know, it was either stuff like that or, you know, Italian restaurants that serve pizza, mm-hmm. you know, mostly Neapolitan. And there really wasn't anything in between in the independent sector, which is what we call it. And um, that's what we felt. It's very strong in the U.S., that sector. And um, Bill wanted to bring that to Dubai because we saw it was clearly missing. So so you started with one. I remember coming to your first place in the Greens. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think it was even like pre-kids. What year was that? That was 2014. Yeah, it was. I was probably pregnant. <laughs> Everything was delicious. Bring me the carbs. Yeah. And since then... How have you grown? Where are Since you now, Michelle? Then, yeah. So now um, the greens, that, unfortunately, that didn't work out. You know, business relationship didn't work out. But um, we sort of uh, reopened in 2016 in JLT. And in you've, be- you've become such a kind of 
linchpin, I guess, of the food community of JLT. Yeah. I yeah. really believe that. Yeah, it's a we, great environment. We for got lucky. Small businesses. We got lucky to be in a really good cluster where there's a lot of footfall. There's a lot of good restaurants around us. Mm-hmm. Um, our store is it's very very small, which was, you know, great in terms of like low risk going in. But gosh, we outgrew it really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you know, now we have we've that's just dine in, and we do our delivery out of a completely different kitchen in JLT. You've also is, opened in Arjan. Uh, yes, that's our newest one right in February. Next, right next yeah. to one of my best friends, This February will be one year. <laughs> They're going to have a boxing class at Spartans and then yeah, come, come right to see door. you for a pizza. Yeah. And in terms of what's resonating then with, um, with diners, what are some of your most popular toppings or flavor combinations? You know... As much as I would like to say it, some of our funkier things, the, the our top seller is consistently the pepperoni primo. It's really good. It's consistent. And that margarita, um, the truff daddy, the truffle pizza is quite popular. Um, we have a build your own feature, which um, which is, I mean, you would be amazed at the combinations that people do. <laughs> And so build your own is very, very popular and people do kind of their own, they design their own pizzas and I see some of them sometimes and I'm like, well, that's actually a really interesting yeah. combo. What's your name? We'll, we'll have a chat. Let, <laughs> yeah. Let us know some of your favorite pizza combos on 4001 <laughs> if you can put them to show. We are going to be talking next about their latest collaboration and how they became awarded top artisan pizza chain in the world, number 13, a global award. Hearing more about that in just a couple of minutes. Let me know your favourite pizza toppings, any crazy combinations that Michelle can uh, put her expert eye over on 4001. You can use that ARN Play app. Talking pizza this afternoon. I couldn't be happier. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Co-founder Michelle of Pitfire Pizza joining us live in the studio. I mean, is there anything better to my mind than just staying in on a Friday night watching some junk TV with a pizza? No. No. That really isn't. (laughs) Sorry. Staying in is the new going out. Asking you to get in touch and tell us some of your favourite flavour combos. One here saying sliced fresh figs, fresh jalapeno and fresh mozzarella. Mm, that sounds quite nice, doesn't it? I would love to have figs on on you know a normal menu feature, but they're they're seasonal. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that seasonal pieces just don't move as much as kind of the 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 popular ones, the mainstay ones. You know, what you have done really cleverly is some kind of very creative collaborations, which means you get to you know partner with some people that you really enjoy working with yeah. and who've got a really fresh food perspective mm-hmm. and put it on a pizza yeah and you've got a brand new one we it's, do it's just launched today today yeah Ta- who are you collaborating with and most uh, importantly what is on the pizza yes um we're collaborating with a brand called moorish by k it's a it's a lady called kamal safdar and uh, she she runs a brand. She does all kinds. She does supper clubs. She does samosas. She does all kinds of. She's she's got she's kind of dubbed the samosa queen of Dubai as well as flavor queen of Dubai. She's very much into flavor combinations. And she approached me. I knew her already as a friend. Uh, she approached me with the idea for this. And um, I thought it was a great idea. So she came in, she brought all of the different things she was thinking of. And together we we created this pizza. And we actually created two. We're bringing back one. We, we did it short term over Eid. And it was, people have just not stopped asking for the pizzas again. So we're bringing it back. It's okay. called the Ta- Kinky Kima. <laughs> kinky. The Kinky Kima. Okay. Kinky Talk kima. us through the Kinky Kima. <laughs> well, the star ingredient is, of course, Kima. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's, 
our dough ball, of course. And then she's made uh, pistachio pesto, Yum. which goes on the base. So instead of a tomato sauce, that's Instead your of tomato of- sauce, it's pistachio pesto. And then um, we top it with ricotta. Then we bake it. Mm-hmm. And then we take it out. And that's where the magic happens. Um, we first brush the rim with um, her uh, infused garlic oil, sprinkle it with um, pistachio powder that goes all on the rim. Then we sprinkle the middle with caramelized garlic, caramelized oh. onions, crumbled pistachios. Then on top of the ricotta goes her um, homemade uh, orange-infused Emirati honey. Oh. And then some of her chili powder gets shaken on top of that. Ah. Oh. It's, wow. It's a real flavor bomb. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Where is that going to be available? We actually, we made it available for delivery for three days only. So all of our branches that deliver, you can order it. The first order, I can say, came in at um, 11.45 this morning. <laughs> I love a keen bean. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> now, I haven't even offered my congratulations to you, Michelle, because you had oh. some really huge news in 2022 an accolade where you were awarded 13th the top artisan pizza chain in the world it's a global competition what was it all about tell us a little bit more about yeah well it's a it's an organization called top 50 pizza and can i uh, work for them please (laughs) (laughs) sounds great uh, it's uh, it was founded by it was founded in 2017 by three italians and they're they've got varied backgrounds they're all like master sommeliers cheese tasters journalists very highly educated people. And what they noticed is that, you know, the different awards that are out there, you know, Michelin, 50 Best, etc. Pizza's usually over, it is always overlooked actually in those. And Des- that's despite surely it being everybody's favorite food, well, it pretty is, much. And that's kind of, that was their point, you know, it's like, we need to create something which does recognize mm. excellence in the world's most popular food, you know, it's actually everywhere. So that's what they set out to do. And started in 2017. Each year, they've added, they've grown bigger and bigger and bigger. They've added you know, categories. And this year, um, this is the second year that they've done 50 Best Artisan Pizza Chains. So that that was the distinction of the category we fell into because, you know, the other different uh, awards that they do are like 50 Best Ital- Italian, 50 Best in, in like U.S., ge- like geographical. Europe, geographical. Um, and then this is more of a achieving excellence across many locations, which is, you know, it, it's actually quite a lot more difficult than just being great out of one or two stores. Yeah. So that's what they wanted to, you know, recognize with this category. And so we, uh, you know, I think this is probably how it happens with some of the other awards. We, I got an email, you know, confidential, highly confidential. You've been selected. and So, so you, you didn't put yourself forward for No, this. no. It was, oh they goodness. have anonymous inspectors. So that's how they're... Can that's I have how that job? <laughs> <laughs> so a bit like Michelin. You know, you don't know where and when you're exactly, being assessed. Exactly. Wow. They run it exactly the same way. And, um, and so I don't know how they found us, but they did. And um, I got this email saying, you know, you've been selected. Of course, they didn't tell us where we ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked Bill to they this year that for the first year, they did the first ever World Pizza Summit, which was two days tacked on to the award ceremony, which was in Madrid. And Bill was asked to speak on the first day on the topic of craftsmanship, which, you know, he was one of like eight different speakers across different brands, all just talking about like their own brand of craftsmanship and how they... Pizza nerds unite. Oh my God. We were in the room with some of Bill's industry heroes. We just couldn't believe some of the people we were meeting. It was amazing to share the stage with with these these giants of the industry. You should be so, so proud of yourselves. You really should. Well, we are. I just, we never dreamed we, we would 
rank that high, though. I mean, 13th we were just world? <laughs> as the numbers, they start at 50. And as the numbers were counting down, we were just looking at each other. We, uh, we were holding hands and it just kept and we we're just looking at each other going, maybe this is actually not real. Maybe, maybe we're, we're supposed to be here. It <laughs> <laughs> can't possibly be. And, you know, number 13, that's respectable. <gasps> Lucky number 13. We were just over the moon and um, well, yeah. so well deserved. Thank truly. you. I've had a message here saying garlic knots, garlic knots, garlic knots. <laughs> For anyone that hasn't had the garlic knots, you are missing out. I, I would say any Pit Fire pizza order is incomplete without <laughs> some of them. I'd also say keep some for the morning after. Yes, they, definitely. They, they, still, they stack up. Um, no name on this one saying jalapeno and pineapple for the win. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yum. See? got no objections there from Michelle. <laughs> Love it. We've run out of time. I could talk Peter all sweet afternoon. So thank you so much for coming in. No worries. Last question. You're talking about the popularity of pepperoni. You're talking kinky kima. Apart mm-hmm. from this weekend special, what should we be ordering come this weekend? You know, I think you should order whatever you want, just whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever you feel like you're in the mood for. But I would encourage people to order this kinky kima. You know, it is really something it different. Really, it's really available special. in only ten inch size. Take a chance. Give it a try. Take a chance. <laughs> we've um, we've had one delivered to the green room, so we'll snap a pic so you can see it on our social media. Michelle, thank you so much. All the very best to Bill. Especially thankful for you making time for us on a Friday when I know you're incredibly busy. No worries. Now get back and chop some of those hundred and twenty kilos of <laughs> mushrooms coming your way. Michelle joining us, co-founder of Pit Fire Pizza. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. We are talking the magic of mushrooms. Growing them in the desert, somewhat challenging uh, due to weather conditions, but now meeting a company whose specialty is doing just that. Joining us now is Bronte Weir, the CEO of Below Farms. Thank you so much for being with us and Happy New Year to you. How are you? Hi, Helen. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, Happy New Year. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Now, your company has somewhat taken over our home. Um, It's become... An obsession with my children. It was more exciting to them than their advent calendar, growing their own mushrooms in the spare room, uh, which sounds completely bonkers. Before we start talking about growing your own, when and how did the company start? Tell us a little bit about Below Farm. Yeah, so uh, Below Farm is a specialty mushroom farm based in Abu Dhabi. Um, we, you know, grow mushrooms in the desert. When you think of mushrooms, you think dark, damp, cold. But we're dealing with sunny, hot, dry. Um, we started off on this uh, journey uh, last year was when we officially incorporated and we had our first harvest in, in May of this year. So we really put our technology through its paces, starting mm-hmm. off in the summer at the hottest time of the year. Um, but really, this has been an adventure that we've been on for, for, for a few years now, getting it up and running. Why focus on mushrooms? You're not making life very difficult for yourself. Tell us about some of the technology that you've had to, uh, had to bring into force. Yeah, so I mean, really, my and my co-founders are just are just passionate about mushrooms. It's been something that we've been interested in for a long time. My co-founders are from Poland, where it's really much a lot part of the heritage. You know, as kids, they go foraging for mushrooms in the forest. For me, being a vegetarian, like mushrooms have always been something that would be a centerpiece of my dish. So it was really, as the UAE focuses more on food security, there's mm. so much. To, uh, it, companies and, and farms starting to crop up in terms of uh, tomatoes and leafy greens. But really, the mushroom space wasn't really investigated or, or there wasn't really anyone looking at how we really can do this in the desert. Um, so this is where Below Farm entered, really. Tell us the hows then. How are you managing this feat? 
Yeah, great. So um, at our farm in the desert, we have a essentially greenhouses, but not glass. They have about a foot of insulation around them to make sure that we keep the mushrooms nice and cool. Um, and it's all controlled environment farming. Um, so we control the temperature, the humidity, the the, the air content and, and, and the light levels. Um, and we actually really wanted to localize our process as much as possible. So we are actually growing our mushrooms on date um, leaves. So there are wow. leaves that come as a byproduct from date farming in the region and we use those leaves to grow our mushrooms on. That's amazing how did that come about then as an option because presumably people have done this before in other parts of the world but you're needing to as you say kind of really localize. Does the date thing work is that a happy coincidence? Really, we were looking at what crops are available in the region that we can grow on. Mm -hmm. The mushrooms that we grow, they need a form of cellulose, so kind of leaves or wood or grains. And that's typically what's used in Europe and and North America and and parts of Asia where these mushrooms are traditionally grown. Um, And so we looked at what's been what's been cultivated and and grown in 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 the in the uae uh, to see what it was that we could use um and dates are over 35 percent of the agriculture in the region so it seemed like uh, if we could crack it um then it would be a great way to sort of you know use mushrooms as their mushrooms are nature's decomposers right they're what complete that circle of life um and get everything and the nutrients back into the food chain mm-hmm. and for us that's really important it's really harnessing the power of, of mushrooms in terms of circularity to be able to use that 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 product um that that byproduct of farming and so that's really it was an important piece for us and we cracked it um what we have in our mushroom glow box is over 70 percent um of date palm Let's talk about the types of mushrooms that you're growing and why they were chosen, Bronte. Tell us a little bit about that, the research that was going on to make sure you were growing the right thing in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the types of mushrooms that we grow, we focus on specialty mushrooms. So we're looking at oyster, king oyster, shiitake and some other sort of smaller varieties as well. Um, these are the mushrooms that are, they're not the button mushrooms, which potentially are sort of the the, 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 the big range of the, the bulk of the mushrooms that, that are that people may be more familiar with but they're the ones that are really more interesting Definitely. they have a lot more flavor a lot more diversity in terms of what can be done with them um, and really they the health benefits that come from them as well are super interesting so when we chose the specific varieties that we grow of oyster and king oyster um, we really focused on ones that grow grew better in warmer climates um, you know mushrooms need a certain level of cool to grow so we wanted to make sure that if we chose mushrooms that actually grow at slightly warmer temperatures then we wouldn't need to be cooling our mushrooms down as much makes sense you mentioned health benefits there can you shed a bit more light on that what are we getting apart from lots of flavor when we include mushrooms in our diet so mushrooms are actually super interesting as as a sort of food group. Obviously, the, the fungi kingdom is a kingdom in itself. It's completely separate from the plant kingdom or the animal kingdom, right? So, you know, they quite often get lumped in with vegetables, but really they're their whole own thing. Interestingly, mushrooms are more like meat in terms of their cult- their composition than they, are in, than they are versus vegetables. So your mushrooms have your complete set of amino acids that you um, need for a balanced diet. 
diet. Uh, they are one of the only sources of vitamin D from a non-plant-based, non non-animal-based sources of vitamin D. Um, they have really great health benefits, um, such as supporting your immune system, your nervous system, uh, and in fact, mushrooms are really becoming one of the latest uh, sort of health ingredients as well. So a lot of these supplements are really coming from adaptogenic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So incorporating them into your diet is a great way to get health benefits, but also a really interesting option if you're potentially considering shifting away from meat this January um, and trying something different in your diet. The, the varieties that you've chosen, as we say, kind of pack a flavour and a health punch. They're also very photogenic and a lot of chefs use them Yes, for the flavour, but also for the impact they have on the plate. How are you working with chefs, restaurants, hotels? Has that all kind of closed that loop as well? Yeah, so we are working to supply specific hotels around the region um, and really trying, uh, really wanting to have the mushroom as the front and centre of the dish. For example, our oyster mushrooms, they actually grow in these really beautiful uh, clusters is their technical name, but I like to think of them more like coral. Mm -hmm. um, the mushroom grow kits that we have are grow these amazing pink oyster mushrooms that really do look like coral. And you can har we harvest the whole cluster, um, enabling chefs to cook the whole thing is this really gorgeous centrepiece to their plates. Let's talk about the Grow Your Own, because we've had a message here saying, where can you buy the mushrooms? And I guess that kind of, there's, there's two answers to that, really. Let's start with the boxes first, Bronte. Tell us a little bit about what's currently growing in my spare room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we actually uh, recently launched these amazing home grow kits. Um, so they are growing, enabling you to grow pink oyster mushrooms uh, in the comfort of your spare room, your kitchen, your living room, wherever it may be. Um, and we've chosen a variety that goes really well in the temperatures of the Dubai living room. So sort of the low, low 20s sort of region. Um, they grow really quickly within no, really about quickly. a week to 10 days. And you've got to bear in mind, I've got yeah. two very impatient children. Um, and they were rushing in every morning going, look what's happened overnight. We went on holiday and they were asking our nanny Loretta, who she, she, they, they trusted her to, to spray the mushrooms every day, but they got, you know, they were quite strict with the instructions and they were asking her to send daily photos and couldn't, couldn't believe. And I know that sounds weirdly dramatic that they grow so fast, but you're getting, I mean, almost like a, like a fist um, coming out within, within a matter of less than a week, really. So when it comes to the harvesting of that, we've already eaten some on some pasta, by the way. Um, how, how long are you expecting those kind of grow your own boxes to, you know, keep, keep on blooming? Yeah, you should get your, your your first mushroom pins. Pins is the name for baby mushrooms, the technical term. Aww, um, so you cute. should get your first mushroom pins within the first few days. Um, and what's really great about these uh, grow kits and especially for engaging with kids is that you know you have to you, you spray them every day to keep them really nice and humid in that kind of damp world that the mushrooms enjoy um, and so it's a great opportunity for kids to get really involved in you know how their food grows, grows farm to fork really admitting the farm um, so after a few a uh, few days within a few days you should see your initial mushroom pins which are a great pink color um, and within about a week to 10 days you should be ready for your first harvest and once you harvest off all the mushrooms you can actually get subsequent harvests as well so um, you, you might, you'll get maybe two or three harvests out of one out of one box excellent music to my ears um, and I guess the second part of the where can you buy 
um, mm-hmm. is in store. You're you're supplying to a number of retailers um, across the UAE, and that's more of your ready to eat rather than your your grow your own. So, what's available on the shelves, Bronte? Yeah, so um, in terms of our um, oyster, Think Oyster Grow Kits, our home grow kits you can order directly from our website, which is belowfarm.ae, um, and uh, we will deliver them to homes across the across the country. Um, well, our fresh mushroom produce uh, is currently available on shelves and spinnies across the country, um, and there at the moment we have uh, some lovely oyster mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms in stock. Uh, if you're not really familiar with cooking with some of these mushrooms, some of them are potentially ones that uh, some people might not have come across before. Honestly, I, for me, they're like what mushrooms taste like. Every time <laughs> I cook with butter mushrooms, I'm slightly looking for more. Um, and when you put a shiitake in its place and an oyster in its place, I am always like, okay, that's what mushrooms should taste like. If you don't have any ideas of how to cook with them, our Instagram is full of amazing recipes uh, and ideas of uh, mushroom tacos or maybe some mushroom lasagna or um, we have a great mushroom stew. So if you're looking for inspiration on how to cook with uh, with mushrooms, um, our Below Farm Instagram is a great place to go. Well, you stole my last question because I was going to ask you how should we be eating them this weekend? So I'll tell you, We it's funny you mentioned lasagna. We had some broken lasagna sheets so made a kind of I mean, deconstructed is a very flattering way of putting just lovely sage butter and mushrooms and this and these broken lasagna sheets, which was gorgeous. And then my husband had some mushrooms on toast, but like the poshest, most delicious mushrooms on toast he's ever had. So thank you for all the work that's clearly been going on behind the scenes. Um, as, as you said, the Instagram is at Below Farm. You've got the website there at belowfarm.ae if you want the details of that 4001. Bronte, all the very best to you and the team. Keep the growing, keep us informed and uh, looking forward to eating and seeing more in 2023. Take care of yourself. Bronte, we're from Below Farm there. As I said, if you want the details um, of growing your own, cooking your own, just drop me a message. Just say shroom. The Chef's Table. We are meeting the industry insider now, a man who has been in Dubai the same time as me. So what has changed in that time and how did he get to his spot now? We've got Chef Dominic Petzold. He's the Complex Director of Culinary at Marriott International, which means looking after not one, not two, not three. How many hotels are you in charge of the food front, Chef? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's a total of six hotels. Oh, la, la. Well, thank you for making time to come and see us, especially on a Friday. It's a pleasure. It's thank a you for having me. busy, busy time for you chefs right now. I think people are back in Dubai with an absolute bang and first weekend of the, of the year, really. Um, we're going to be talking about what's happening in some of the properties, but I'd love to start with a little bit about what does that job involve? Director of culinary. What, com- what, what comes under that remit for you? Well... As, as I just said, there is um, we have six hotels, so looking uh, after six hotels. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna test you on them. I'll tell you. You've got Element at the Dubai Airport. You've got Element Almina. You've got a loft Dubai Airport, a loft Almina, the Meridian Fairway, and the Meridian Dubai Hotel and Conference Centre. Whew, I can barely say it. How are you doing all of this? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, having a good team helps definitely on mm. this one. But as well, you need to plan your day. Fully well, throughout. Let, let's talk about a typical day. When do, when does it start? A typical day for me starts at uh, six a.m. when my twin girls wake me up in the morning, fresh like a flower. <laughs> um, then I actually do have breakfast with my children, drop them to the nursery, 
and then straight away into work. So usually eight o'clock, eight fifteen, I'm in the first property. Um, depending on the day, I'm trying to split myself in a way. Then I pass by in one of the smaller properties in the morning, see them, see the team, see the chefs, the service, how's the breakfast going, see anything what needs to be addressed throughout the day for the week. And then from there, I make my way straight away to Le Meridien, what is the main hotel we have. And from there, it's basically see what we have on in terms of the, the venues, the events, plan the day through, meet with the team, meet with my colleagues, how we plan forward. But that time is around lunchtime. This is the first time I'm going to go see all the venues check on them, see what we have on the books, what is the, the reservation, anything special, any anniversaries or special, you know, occasions for guests to come, what can we do for them, how can we make it special. And then uh, I catch up with some individuals because uh, obviously with this large hotel, you mm -hmm. cannot meet with everyone all the time. Um, a bit of planning through and then, of course, seeing what do we have coming up for the evening, <laughs> just right? Just never stops. So it sounds like you've gone and you started as a chef back in 2006. So that was that was obviously hot kitchens. And now it sounds like a, a hot laptop and lots of Excel spreadsheets as well. You're yes. doing lots of all the food ordering, the finance side of it as well. What, what attracted you to the food industry in, in the first place, chef? Um, to be honest, I, I know it's a very cliche answer from, uh, from, from people, but for me, my first ideal when I was young, I was like, I want to be a professional football player. But I realized very, very, very early, <laughs> I'm not skilled for that. <laughs> so the, the, right, the next option was to become, to become a chef. Now, back then, my grandmother was working in the opera house back home. And she organized me um, an internship there. I think I was 13 or 14. Young. So I did an internship there. And the following year, I did the same. So I, I really, I really loved it. Like from day one, I loved it. Even though I started off just cleaning, and then after As my you work, should. you got to work hundred percent, hundred percent. And then from there, one one went to the next one, and the passion, the love for the job, for the industry, just remained throughout. So still going strong. Tell us about where you grew up and who was cooking. Uh, I grew up in Dresden, Germany with my mother and uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandmothers. So all around my mother, my grandmothers and of course they're all cooking. What were they making? Very, let's say, traditional, basic German food. But you know, I was the only, the only son. So it was always like, okay, we cook, you try. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. So I always had my grandmothers and make me try and do this. And, and, and I loved it. And then, yeah. That was it. Got the bug. Exactly. You've been in Dubai. 2007, you moved here. Um, same year as me. I'm coming up. In fact, next week, it's my Dubai birthday. What notice, What big changes, sorry, have you noticed on the food front, the restaurant scene in this time, 16 years? Yeah, when I came in end of 2007... I was fascinated when uh, all the dining happens in hotels. And back then it was very, very uh, famous, this all the dining restaurants. Mm -hmm. It was always packed, always full, lavish buffets, bigger, better, more. And uh, over the years you have seen the change. You have, you have 
that the trend has gone away from that, more into restaurants, more into multi-cuisines. Yes, back then there was multi-cuisines, but yes, it has largely evolved over the last 10, 15 years. There are still some Dubai stalwarts who are still hanging on and, and thrilling diners like Yolumba, I think for me, was one of the biggest brunches of the time. And it blew my mind as a concept coming coming to Dubai that you could eat and drink and then have a party. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced coming out of the UK. And you obviously look after your lumber now. So Yes, I mean, back then, I have to be honest, I wasn't in your lumber, but yes, I have heard about it. And oh, obviously being now six years... Good times. <laughs> six years with the company, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first... I think it was. Or you can eat brunch yeah. kind of concept the f- the in Dubai. The first brunch I went to was at a place called Spice Island. I don't even know if that's still going. I need to Google it. If anyone, <laughs> any any other old schools are out there, let me know the first brunch you went to in Dubai. Let's make it all feel really old. <laughs> I still think there is a definitely, pardon the pun, an appetite for that um, kind of extravaganza of food. And I think, you know, like Bubblicious would be a great example of that. But for me, and I don't know if this is just me getting older, um, but I like much like you're saying, would prefer to go somewhere that's a bit more kind of, you know, refined food wise, you know, I can talk to people. I'm not standing up to queue for food. That's always a bit of a bugbear. Um, And we've also seen the size of the restaurants get quite a bit smaller as well during that time. What about food trends? You're looking after all sorts of different cuisines. You've got, you know, everything from, you know, warehouse to Dubliners. You've got Kika. You know, what are you noticing in terms of the, what the diners are demanding? Well, I think you have seen a trend where it goes back to basics. I know it sounds very simplistic when I say that, but um, people want to see, feel and taste of what they eat. Mm. So it's not about any more 15 or 18 ingredients on the plate, sometimes even three, four, five ingredients on the plate done correctly, right? Seasoned right, cooked right, you know, presented in a really well way. I think this is what people are aiming for. Mm -hmm. This is what I see in the last couple of months, year or two. And uh, you you, you see uh, concepts like uh, this Korean barbecue, what is really big at the moment. I know, but it's end of the day, it's it's very simplistic, but really nicely done. Mm message here saying my first brunch was flavors at the shangri-la on shakeside road that is old i did i did a couple of flavors back in my time as well um, so what is happening at the hotels at the minute how are you kicking off the year there at marriott um we're gonna celebrate the orthodox christmas tomorrow in the warehouse uh, combined with the warehouse brunch you're gonna have some galette de roy yes so we're going to do some... That's what, that is what they're called, aren't they? I'm, I'm doubting myself. Yeah, yes, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some, some Russian speciali- specialities there. And then, of course, we have all the venues open, right? Um, but we have as well a couple of caterings on the weekend. But what happens in the hotel itself, of course, come by Seafood Market with all our 24 fish tanks, live fish tanks, where the chef is getting daily fresh fish, fresh seafood from around the world. Uh, yesterday, I just saw him uh, receiving some uh, live Canadian lobster. Oh, la la. And so they're swimming right now in our fish tanks waiting for people to come. <laughs> that is an invitation. Chef, thank you so much, as I said, for making time for us on a Friday afternoon. Um, lastly, 
Quick bit of advice for anyone looking to get into the industry. What would you say your number one tip would be for getting into food? My number one tip would be make sure when you do it, you you love what you do. You do it with passion Mm -hmm. and you put your full focus on it. It is not important right now which position you're holding. It is not important how much money you earn. Right now, especially when you start, is what you learn. And this is so important to have the fundamentals right. Once you have them right and you're open-minded to the world, cooking can bring you anywhere in the world. There you have it. Well, from Germany to Dubai, thank you so much, Chef Dominic. Really, really do appreciate your time. Director of Culinary, Marriage International, the man looking after not one, not two, but six properties on the food front right here in the UAE. The Chef's Table. On Farmer's Kitchen, we love introducing you to, yes, the producers and the farmers, but also the people who are there in the kitchens putting those ingredients together for our for our dining pleasures. The very hardworking people, especially on a Friday, so I'm very grateful that Chef Maria Galez is joining us. She's a chef cuisine at Trader Vic's at Hilton Dubai Jumeirah. Joining us now in the studio, she hails from Mexico, but has worked in the US, the Canada, into Canada and the UAE since 2015. Chef Maria, how are you? Hi, how are you, everyone? Happy New Year. Happy New Year for everyone. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you with us because there's so much I want to ask you about. Mexican food, obviously. Um, How you got to where you are and the fact that you head up an all-female kitchen, I find so interesting. But let's start with you. You've got a degree in international restaurant management. You didn't go to culinary schools. How did you become a chef? What's the story? No, honestly, I didn't do the culinary school, but it's one of my passions. And I learned all this one from my grandmas. Really? So I'm this kind of child that used to be all the time in the kitchen, playing around, wherever they were cooking. I was putting my fingers then on my nose, like, what is this? What is that? I want to do this one. Why you don't let me do it? Please let me. (laughs) (laughs) What were they making? What were some of the tastes of your childhood? Yeah, In Mexico, we have plenty of celebrations, like uh, we gathering all the family that... It's Easter, Christmas, New Year Eve, and we have typical um, dishes that we made in like in family. So one of them is like the turkey. So of course in Mexico it's a different way to prepare the turkey. So okay, let me fill the turkey. How and do I, you, the- <laughs> I want to hear more about this? I mean, I had a lot of turkey over Christmas, but I've still got an appetite to hear about Mexican turkey. How do you do it differently? Yeah. So. Yeah, it was that my life with my mom, with my grandma, my sisters, but always I was the most interesting there from the rest of the people. Like You, you, know. were, you were the one that was there. Yeah, for me it was a game, you know, but for the rest, like, I know this is butter, butter so let's go outside to play better with the rest of the cozy. <laughs> make us hungry. What were some of your favorite dishes growing up that your grandmothers taught you how to make? Okay, my favorite dish in my life is one from my mom. The name is chilaquiles. It's a breakfast in Mexico that is like a kind of nachos because it's a crispy corn tortilla. And then you cover it with a sauce, green tomato sauce. And then you put cream, cheese, chicken, a lot of cheese. (laughs) How do you feel about the way Mexican food is often misrepresented around the world? Honestly, I'm very proud to be a Mexican. And I really love like uh, our gastronomy is out of the world. Like wherever you go, you know for sure a good Mexican restaurant. That also is one of my, let's say, one of my... Sorry. No, don't be sorry. I tell you what, your English is a lot better than my Spanish. So we're, we're cooking with gas, Maria. So tell us then about getting into the kitchen because you had this 
this really rich education and then you became a chef. Yeah, actually, my parents were very disappointed when really? I decided to, to be more in the kitchen than in the administration part in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. But it's what I told them. I really love to, to be in the kitchen to cook because this is one of the ways that I talk to the people how much I love. This is uh, the way that I can show my love for everyone. Really? So, of course, I start like uh, in junior things, like I uh, just cooking at home. Then when I was my my opportunity to have my internships, I never go for any administration department. Always I was in kitchen, in culinary department. So my first intern, I was the personal assistant of the executive chef of the hotel. And two times to time, I was asking him, can I go to the kitchen to learn <laughs> skills? To was he going, I feel like you're a bit confused, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was like, but you are not for this. Say, no, I know, but I want to do it. So my first internship was back in Mexico, in Cancun. Uh, and the chef supported me very well. He gave me the freedom to learn also all the time he was with me. And the good part is like uh, when I was uh, growing in this career, I was learning the same time the administration mm -hmm. and the operation. Ah, that really is very useful. important to keep everything under control, to have logistics and to deliver very good products to all our guests always. I want to hear a little bit about that appointment then of head chef. That was at Trade of X JBR um, a couple of years ago. Um, restaurant now fully female led. Was that a conscious decision? Yes, uh, actually, our Hilton company, they believe a lot in the women in leadership, women in leadership. And we have even one program about that. Like we want to empower all the girls in, in the hotel for each department. And just recently, I was leading one project in the hotel, like we create a special, a special chef jackets for all the girls. Really? Because normally we have just generic, like uh, same for the boys. Yeah, but it's not, it's not going to cut it though, is it? We've got yeah. different things going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course for just anatomy, the girls and the boys, yeah. we are completely different. So now we create a, a style of jacket that is shaping perfectly to each girl in culinary department. And also we grab in the side of the jacket, woman in leadership. Do you know what? It sounds like such a small thing, a, a uniform. But I guess what it's really saying is we value you. We, you know, there's, there's a place at not just at the table, but in the kitchen for you. And you don't need to put up with, you know, some kind of hand-me-down or something that's been designed for someone else. You're, yeah. You know, we value you. Yeah, exactly. Because if you sound for the side, maybe it can be a silly thing, but no. No, it's so not. I think each person, doesn't matter the career or the profession that they are uh, doing, you need to feel comfortable with the clothes that you are wearing. Mm -hmm. And I will say in my property, and we really respect the uniform. When and we, we want to we want to first to be comfortable working because also our long duties. And second, to live to feel confident. Mm -hmm. Like wherever you go out, you are looking good because, come on, everyone wants to look good. Too right. We want to eat well as well. We're going to be talking food next. What is on the menu at Trade of Exits at the new Hilton Dubai Jumeirah Palm Hotel? All of that coming your way. The Chef's Table. Chef Maria hails from Mexico. She's worked in the US. Canada has been in the UAE since 2015 and she is chef de cuisine at Trader Vic's there at JBR. An all-female team. We've just been talking about uniforms, but I want to talk about what's on the menu. What is Trader Vic's kind of known for on the food front? Okay, so, Break it down. So Trader Vic's cuisine is a fusion. The base is Polynesian. That is all these small islands in the Polynesian uh, area. So what is the base of this cuisine? Seafood, basically. 
seafood, pineapple, coconut. Yum. But, but still uh, adding extra toppings for difference. As Dubai is a cosmopolitan uh, city, always we have influence for the rest of our nationality of our team. Mm-hmm. Like at the moment, of course, there is a Mexican, uh, Touches, Nepalese, <laughs> Indians, um, Sri Lanka. So with all these crazy minds, we create a new menu. So now we have one month already that we launched the new menu. So here you can see what is Trader Vic's Hilton Dubai Jumeirah. Because as we are a part of franchise restaurant, we have our signature dishes that you're going to find in any location around the world, wherever you want to go. But they give us the freedom to each location to have your own signature dishes. Okay, so come on then. Give us some of the dishes I want to yeah, hear. Yeah, it's amazing. So now we have one corn dip that is made with Korean chili paste, corn, uh, cheddar cheese sauce, a lot of cheese with corn cheese, but seasoned it with togarashi, chili. So you have all this mission between Latino and Asian. Also, we have... One lamb rack that is Indonesian lamb rack with Indonesian noodles, but the lamb rack is Marocky uh, marination with a grilled pineapple. We have gels. Also, we we try to use different uh, techniques in the kitchen. And of course, our famous cheese balls or crab ragoon that is always in the menu. The crispy prawns that all these items are made in house that all our guests love it for sure. Oh my goodness, you're making me so, so hungry. So <laughs> hungry. Do you get the chance to cook at home? Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, I'm going to be very honest. At home, the one that is cooking is my fiancé. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it. All the time he's pampering me. And, uh, so is he, is he a good cook? Amazing, I'm going to say. Amazing. What, he, where's he from? He's from Jordan. From Jordan. Okay, so that I mean, that's fusion. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's many <laughs> Mexican Jordan fusion dishes going on, but maybe at your house. No, but you know something? He learned very well from me. So something he's making a very good guacamole, I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, now this is what I wanted to ask you. The perfect guac. First of all, choosing an avocado. I need your advice. Yeah, actually, uh, that is the base of uh, successful guacamole. So you need to choose avocado has from Mexico. From there, you need to start. Look how patriotic she is. <laughs> and then wherever you want to choose the avocados, in the top of the avocado, there is like a seed. If you remove it and looks like a nice green, olive green, mm. it's ready to use it. Okay. That is the easy way to find it. So we've got the perfect avocado. What are we doing with it? What's going in the bowl? After that, you open, you remove the pulp and you start mash it. And then you add chopped tomato, chopped white onion, coriander and lime. Okay. No lemon, lime. That is the point. You add a little bit salt, and if you want to stop the oxidation of the avocado, you add a little bit of olive oil. You mix everything, corn oh chips, goodness. and yummy. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got hopefully, hopefully, if my colleagues, I can see them in the green room, getting their hands on my pit fire pizza. If there's any left, that was going to be my plan for tonight. I don't think there's going to be anything left. And I think it's going to have to be Mexican tonight. <laughs> you have well and truly inspired me to swing by the supermarket and pick up everything I need for a perfect one. Maybe later you can join us and try the Maybe. Dubai Hilton Jumeirah. What are your plans for the year ahead? What are your hopes career-wise and for the team as well? Uh, actually, I'm very happy to work for Hilton. They are a very powerful company that encourages you to achieve your targets, individual and professional also, I'm super happy with the team that I have. We do a great job always. Uh, very proud to work with these people shoulder to shoulder. 
Also, I I want to say thank you to my boss, Chef Steven. Smiley, he is one of the amazing persons that I meet in my life. Mentors, I think, are incredibly important in any industry, but the more chefs I speak to, the more I realise just how integral mentors are when it comes to food, for learning, as you're saying, shoulder to shoulder, following someone into a different kitchen or country. And now it sounds like you've become a mentor yourself to the women that work around and under you. What's that like? Yeah, honestly, this is what I want to to demonstrate to the girls, nothing is impossible. Wherever you have a idea or plan in your life, go ahead. No one is going to stop you. You are you are the only one that is going to put your limits. And lastly, I want to ask you, Mira, what do you, what do you look for in young talent? Because I know it was you putting your resume out to other people and now you're the one getting all the resumes wanting to work for you. So when you meet a young chef, no. what, what quality are you looking for? One of the important things for me and to be part of my team, to be a dreamer. That create amazing things, amazing projects, and also bring that family environment mm-hmm. into your team. Because also most of the time we are like in long duties at work and these people become your family. You spend more time with them than you probably do your fiancé. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that. I really love that because if you've got the right attitude, you've got that imagination, you can learn the skills. Those can be taught. Actually, that is very easy. Any human can learn easily, whatever. But also if you are not a dreamer and you don't have the commitment to, to engage yourself to any goal... Nothing is going to work. But also, if you have a good leaders around you, a good mentor that support you, that they tell you all the time, you can do it, you can do it, let's do it like this. And to find always the way, not just to have excuses or to bring the issues. Mm-hmm. This is the principal key, to always support your team, to lead them, to always have this, you can do it, guys, and good job. Well, Maria, thank you so much for coming in, Chef. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've made us very hungry indeed. <laughs> I'm now desperate to come down and meet the all-female team. You sound like an absolute band of warriors back in the kitchen there. We've had a message saying um, she wants to contact you because they supply female teams and uniforms. So we'll connect you with this listener. This is uh, from Marianne. Chef Maria, have a lovely weekend. If we're going to come to Trader Vic's JBR this weekend, what one thing should we eat to have the Chef Maria experience? I I will invite you all of you to our amazing brunch that is very successful, one of the famous mm-hmm. one in Dubai for Tikka Puka and Mai Tai. Oh, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Also, we have our lovely tenderloin cooked in our Chinese oven that is also one of the best steaks that you're going to have in town. Oh, Chef Maria, big, big, big shout. Willing to put it to the test. Have a lovely weekend ahead. Thank you very much. All the very best to you and the team for 2023. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's Friday. We're talking food and we're also talking the future of food. What have we got to look forward to in 2023? Joining us now is Alex Holtham. She is the group editor at What's On. Very much finger on the pulse of what's happening around town and yeah, what, what's coming our way. Alice, we bumped into each other last night. How are you? Nice to see you. We did indeed. Uh, lovely to see you as well, Helen. It's, it was, uh, uh, it's great to be here. It was uh, very nice to see you down at the cinema last night. You and me and Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham. It was a very cosy. And Bugsy Malone, a surprise, a surprise appearance from Bugsy Malone. That was pretty fantastic, wasn't it? Was it was really, really cool. It was the world premiere last night of their new movie, which is called Operation Fortune. Um, what, what was your verdict? Uh, 
honestly, I loved it. I, I am, I am, I confess, I am sort of can, can do no wrong when it comes to Guy Ritchie. Um, but do you know what? The whole cast were brilliant. I particularly loved Hugh Grant in this oh, film. He, honestly, you know what? what a class act. Since he's kind of stopped being that kind of rom-com handsome yes, actor, he's totally been, his agree. choices are so much more interesting, so funny, so, so funny. And I thought Aubrey Plaza was brilliant as well. I think they've put together with this kind of spy action that combination of Jason Statham of uh, Aubrey Plaza and Bugs Malone I think that is one we'll definitely see um, I reckon there'll, there'll be more more in the works but yeah if you are going to the cinema this weekend it's exactly what you want and expect from a Guy Ritchie it's guns it's fun it's funny and and some good travel in there as well I thought some of the locations were absolutely amazing so yeah absolutely it was great to see some regional um, regional destinations in there as well yeah no spoilers but yes they take a trip to the Middle East so yeah it was it was it was brilliant I'm glad you enjoyed too it was worth a late night and uh, <laughs> and now we've got lots to talk about what's about what's coming outside of the cinema this time now I've seen through the power of Instagram Mot32 has opened up which is it's not the first in the world I don't believe but it's the first in Dubai what is it and where is it Alice what do we know Absolutely, and it is very, very exciting. I actually had a little sneak peek into Mot 32 just before it opened, mm. and I can honestly say it is wow, Helen. Um, so it is a Cantonese restaurant, and it hails from Hong Kong. They have got restaurants now all over all over the world, um, and they're landing in, in Dubai for the first time. They've just opened their doors, and what is so stunning about this restaurant, yes, it's got fantastic, interiors but it is also on the 73rd floor of address beach resort um so the view, oh my yeah gosh. yeah so the views from that terrace and it does have a really lovely outdoor terrace so if you've got visitors in town or you know you're just looking for a really wow worthy spot then that is definitely one to be uh, to be on your radar so quite authentic cantonese or are we thinking more that kind of cantonese fusion do you think yeah, I'm. I'm guessing that that we're going to have a little bit of a of a modern twist on it. I believe the restaurant likes to sort of use the traditional techniques, but but also fuse it with some more some more modern um, modern fusions as well. So go for the food, stay for the views, and probably a few Instagram moments or two. So Mot Thirty Two. I don't even know what that name means. Who is Mot? Is he Thirty Two? Is she? <laughs> I'm I'm going to do some digging. But as I said, from what I've heard and. Uh, seen on instagram this looks like the the kind of new place to see and be seen and it's opened just this week so brand brand new we've got a bit of a cinematic uh, connection now actually because babylon new film that's coming out soon um there's also a dinner and a show called babylon too where is it in dubai yeah, so so if you might remember, do you remember Gaucho? You may oh, remember Gaucho in DIFC. So Gaucho is is good, but it's goodbye Gaucho and hello Babylon um, in DIFC. Just when we thought we couldn't squeeze any more restaurants in that amazing foodie destination, um, Babylon has just opened its doors um, and is a new brand new dinner and a show concept there. Um, again, another fantastic restaurant. To check out the um, the menu is is internationally influenced, so there should be something for 
something for everyone on the menu, but this one is really, really all about the show. It's a gorgeous, very red, dramatic interiors um, and, and really puts a big focus on sort of the stage um, and the production, which is, is really not one to be missed. They've got some fantastic acts and singers and dancers, a real kind of immersive experience. This sounds great. This is, and also the food is not going to be an afterthought. It's the same people that brought you Clap and Bar de Port. So the food's going to be great as well as the show. How do you feel about dinner dinner in a show? Have you been to many? And I personally find them a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Um, do you? Yeah. I think it's when people are too close and I'm like, you're, gy- <laughs> you're gyrating in my sushi. <laughs> so if, if, hard to focus, on, hard, fo- hard to focus yeah, on my food right now. Exactly. I think I, I personally need a bit of separation, whether that is physical distance <laughs> or kind of time between food and show, because often the food is so good that I want to be able to look at what I'm eating and enjoy it rather than feeling like I'm kind of scarfing something down while I'm watching it. But some of them pace them really well and will have, you know, servings in between acts or, or yeah. you know, before and then it's the show. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of Babylon plays it, I guess. Um, yeah, I think it's when... Sorry, yeah, they are open now, and um, when we, um, I have, I have been, and what I really liked about this one is the shows were sort of every fifteen minutes, um, so there was quite a lot of of shows. Sometimes you kind of go and you see one every sort of hour or every half hour. So mm. they were they were quite frequent the shows, but they really built into a story. And and you know, if, as as the shows began in in the beginning of the evening, you didn't feel like you had to sort of completely cut your conversation. And everybody stopped. Mm. It was sort of bit more subtle to begin with and then they sort of lead into the bigger acts and the bigger costumes and and that is um that's when i think all attention turns to uh turns to the show oh looking forward to it sound i think i think it's like a a kind of spectacular whether it's for like a celebration or a special date night Absolutely. so babylon as you rightly say in the spot where gaucho was i missed that they did a good roast dinner but i i, I trust <laughs> i trust in babylon what else have we got um happening around dubai how about you tell me what are you excited about well we've got some very very big uh b news coming with the very soon to open atlantis the royal which oh. i feel like we must have been talking about for a Years. for a long time but it is it's finally coming um and we're expecting some of the first restaurants to be revealed this month um, and, and open next month and, and into March. It's uh, at the hotel itself, the long-awaited Atlantis Royal is opening for stays from March, but we're expecting to see inside the restaurants from as early as this month and we've got some seriously amazing concepts to look forward to. The one that I think a lot of people, myself included, are really interested to visit is Dinner by Heston. Heston Blumenthal, of course, got that incredible reputation for innovation, for mm-hmm. a sense of playfulness and fun, um, trickery and illusion as well. Um, so in terms of, the, yes, there are some already names that are associated with Atlantis. You know, Hakkasan is moving, I believe, and also Nobu Beach Club's going to be opening, but also attracting some other fresh talent to the city as well. Have you heard any other whispers? Yeah, well, what's super exciting about Dinner by Heston, it's not only just going to be the third one in the world, but... They're also putting a brand, bringing a brand new concept with it, um, a separate bar space, um, which is going to be called Resonance by Heston. Um, and that's something that I can't wait to hear more information about because that will be the very first of its kind. Um, another one that looks very, very exciting is Gileo by Jose Andres, which 
is going to be Spanish food, which I actually think in this in this region, certainly in Dubai, that is one thing. If anybody ever asks me, kind of, what do you feel like we're missing? Totally. A really great Spanish restaurant is something that I think this city could get really excited for. It's interesting, isn't it, that some cuisines are, I don't want to say overcated, but we're, we're kind of sport for choice, but some do seem to be absolutely. somewhat kind of conspicuous by their absence, and I would absolutely agree with Spanish. So, big name chef. What about Ling Ling? I don't know anything about it, but there seem to be quite a lot of whispers around that as well. Yeah, so Ling Ling is from the same group as the Hakkasan group. Um, so what's going to be pretty exciting, we believe, about, about Ling Ling is that it will be on the uh, on the bridge on the twenty I believe it's the twenty second floor on the bridge of the hotel where which sort of links the two sides together. There's going to be sort of an amazing infinity pool, and by the swimming pool will be this Ling Ling restaurant. And very much like Hakazan, it's got that sort of really sort of dinner with a very lively vibe to it. So that is definitely going to kind of be a sort of pretty amazing hotspot when it does open. Ooh, I like this. I mean, I can only imagine trying to allocate spaces to restaurants in such a in such a property because, as you say, <laughs> you've got you know views on both sides. You've got that bridge. You've got height. It's going to be so interesting to see how they kind of interact. And I mean, can you imagine having the ultimate dining weekend there? You know, a two nights stay and trying to fit in as many restaurants as possible. And um, we've also I got, believe they oh, sorry, say between the two, there's going to be about thirty five <gasps> restaurants between okay. the two hotels. Maybe not two so nights. I think you maybe need more than. Days. Okay, a two-week stay <laughs> and you come out 20 kilos heavier. Sold! <laughs> um, we've also got some big news happening um, actually down the road. Um, Abu Dhabi, the Mina 50 Best is going to be happening, is it next week or the week after? I believe it's it's next week or the week after. It's at the, the end of this month, Helen, and I can't even believe that we're kind of getting to the second round. It only feels like we were unveiling the World's 50 Best for 2022 not that long ago, so... Mm. It's um it's crazy how how that how quickly that's come around. But yeah, so the men of fifty best list will be revealed um at the end of this month. Um and it's gonna be very interesting to see that come for the second time. Obviously on the first list we saw three fills um at uh, Fishing Harbour, a brilliant restaurant top the list. Um so it'll be very interesting to see if they retain their crown or we've got some newcomers to uh to take their, their that away from them. I think it's going to be really interesting. When I think about my kind of culinary highlights of 2022, the obviously Michelin coming and seeing some homegrown talent just totally celebrated on a global scale. So excited to see, as you say, this next incarnation of 50 Best, but also Michelin come come June. What are your eating plans for the weekend? Where are you going? What are you What are you planning to to eat? I um I well I've I've been trying to be really good in January, but I am going to sneak in a little trip to a restaurant called uh, Mari Nostrum, which is uh, a new addition to Palm West Beach, which just keeps getting better. Um, so that is a, a new rooftop restaurant on the top floor of the Radisson Resort on the Palm, uh, which does. Sort of Mediterranean seafood and and hopefully some lovely views so long as it doesn't get rained off. <laughs> Funny you should say that. I've got my book club brunch <laughs> tomorrow and we were just weighing up should we change locations because of the rain. Um, so I think we're going to be hiding inside at Hayal in, in, <laughs> in the um, in the Saint Regis and having. Uh, having some Turkish food. I think it sounds like the perfect thing for a rainy afternoon. Um, Alice, for all of this and more, um, what's the best way of reading, experiencing and, uh, and hearing from you guys at What's On? 
You can always find us on whatson.ae and of course follow us on socials at whatson.dubai. We'll be catching up very soon, talking of course about those awards and some of the other new openings across the city and beyond. Alex Hilton, thank you so, so much. Happy New Year to you and yours and uh, we'll talk soon. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, Helen. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.